Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Hi guys, this is Michael Lombardi. Thank you for listening to the GM Shuffle. We truly appreciate it. Besides this podcast, I also do a live daily show on VEASAN called The Lombardi Line. That's also in podcast form. Search for The Lombardi Line wherever you get your podcast and hit subscribe. We did something on the show I thought you'd like, so here's a clip. It's time for exit interviews here on the Lombardi line. So just like teams do with players and coaches at the end of the season, we're going to take stock in how things ended for a number of teams, where they might need to improve or change moving forward, all the things. So let's start, Michael, in the AFC North, a division that many considered last year to be on paper going into the season, maybe the best division in football. I'm sure a lot of people will think that again next season as well with the Ravens, Browns, Steelers, and Bengals. Three of those teams had double-digit wins in postseason season births. Cincinnati obviously lost their star quarterback midseason with Joe Burrow due to injury, but a lot of expectations moving forward for these teams. So let's start with the Baltimore Ravens here. Michael had an MVP season from Lamar Jackson, a team that was ranked extremely highly in total offense and total defense, but came up short losing in the AFC championship to the Kansas City Chiefs. Why did they fall short of their full potential? Well, besides, you know, there's players, coaches, and scheme that that always seems to kind of have to be weighed in the offseason. Do we do a good job in terms of having the right players? Is our scheme adaptive to the players we have? And then certainly is our coaching and our strategy, is that what it was to be? And I think when you look at Baltimore, you certainly can be critical of the strategy of the game. Didn't run the football. That's the strength of our team. But when you peel the back a little bit, I think you got to dig deeper and say, look, we got to get better in the offensive line. John Simpson is a kid they picked up off the street, started at guard. Kevin Zeitler's an older player. They got it was a cap casualty of the Giants. He those two starting guards are free agents. They got to get better there. And then Ronnie Stanley's one of their highest paid players on their team, and he doesn't play enough to really be the highest paid player on the team. And Morgan Moses is another over 30 guy. So for all the conversation about not running the football, they've got to improve the offensive line at the tackle and in the inside guard position. And they got to get healthy at running back, right? They're going to need to get a backup quarterback as Huntley could get some offers to potentially become a starter somewhere, maybe compete because he's never going to play behind Lamar. And then defensively, they've got some real issues, right? Their two best players they picked up off the free agent market street, you know, Clowney in August and then Van Noy in September. Queen's a free agent. They've got to handle him. And, uh, and Matabuka, the defensive tackle, he's a free agent. And he's, you know, he probably is a candidate to be franchised if they can afford to do that. So they've got a lot of things to fix this offseason. It's just not going to be as smooth as it would be like. But I think it's got to focus on the offensive and the defensive lines. They spent a lot of money on free agency. I mean, they spent a lot of money on Beckham. They put 18 million in Odell Beckham for what they got out of him wasn't worth it. They could have really used that money somewhere else if they would have been able to take that money and put it into, say, redoing a player's contract. So for me, as you step back, 
get away from the lack of strategy in the game. They've got to improve both lines. On DraftKings, they are a 9-1 to shot to win the Super Bowl next year. Third on the odds board behind only the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs who played in this past year's Super Bowl. But I do worry that because of the toughness, at least on paper, of what's going to come in this division, that the Ravens could potentially take a step back and not repeat as division winners. You look at the Cleveland Browns who are hoping to get Deshaun Watson back and actually get a little bang for the massive bucks that they have invested in him. But 11-6 and six last year, their wild card round loss uh, to the Texans, a big disappointment given what they had. What about the Browns? What do you think uh, their end of season review is and what they need to do moving forward? They need to get somebody opposite. they got to keep Garrett healthy, but they need somebody opposite. Zadarius Smith wasn't as good down the stretch as they needed him to be. Shelby Harris, they need the inside the defensive lineman. I mean, the one thing I think you're going to see from the Browns is a commitment to the defensive front. I could see them being – they have cap room. I could see that they're willing to spend. I could see them being all in on trying to find another defensive lineman to go along with. They need a blue-chip player to go along with Garrett, and I don't think they quite have that on their team right now, and I think that's going to be something. Their offensive line, if it could stay healthy, and that was a big thing. It couldn't stay healthy, but one thing it would prove to them is they found depth, right? They were able to find James Hudson. They were able to find Dewan Jones. They drafted those two. So they've got two young tackles. So they should be good. We hope Chubb comes back and can play, but they found a way to make it work with the other running backs. They've got to keep Watson on a trajectory of improvement because we saw a little bit of it in the Baltimore game when they played in Baltimore, but it wasn't there all season. So I think the focus on the Browns has got to be in the defensive front. I think they've got to get better up front so they don't fade away and they don't play poorly on the road. You know, everybody's going to want them to draft another receiver and do all that. I think certainly they could use another skill player, but I think it's really going to come down to defensive linemen. They can't, they got to give somebody alongside of Garrett that you've got to really worry about. Yeah. And I mean, even with what they had this year, obviously that defense was great. So if you could make it that much better and give your offense that comfort would be huge. Um, what about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Obviously, a position that's going to be in flux for them is the quarterback position. Kenny Pickett is not looking like the first round draft pick that they hoped he ultimately would be. But even with such lackluster quarterback play and having three guys play the position this year, still ended up in the playoffs. They fire Matt Canada, bring in Arthur Smith to run the offense. Um, what's the most important thing for them to do this offseason? Fix the quarterback. They got a good team, right? And they're going to return a bunch of the players defensively, too. Now, they've got cap issues. They've got to get below the cap. So all this conversation about signing Kirk, Kirk Cousins, not going to happen. You know, they're going to have to get below the cap. They're going to have to continue and improve in their defensive front. And they're going to have to improve their offensive line. But it's all going to be on the quarterback. They've got skilled players. They've got draft picks. So they've got a chance to get this thing going in the right direction with one more draft. And picking up some free agents, nothing that's going to cost them a lot of money. Some of those, I don't want to call them minimum salary guys, but guys that could come in and really contribute to help Watt, to help Highsmith, I think can really help this team. They're going to benefit from Arthur Smith. They're going to benefit from his ability to call runs. Remember, we get so critical of guys who are bad head coaches that become, uh, the next year they become coordinators. Well, I mean, Spagnuolo was a 22% winning percentage coach as a head coach. You know, he's a really good coordinator. Maybe not a head coach, but he's a really good coordinator. So I think that's Pittsburgh's mantra. They've got to get better at the quarterback position. And I think there's so much conversation about, oh, they're going to bring in Russell Wilson. They're going to bring in, you know, they're going to make a trade for Justin Fields or they're going to, you know, sign Kirk. I think they're going to bring somebody in. 
and they're going to tell the guy he's got to compete for a starting job. I think they're going to leave it wide open. They're going to give Rudolph, they're going to give Pickett, and whomever this next guy is, whether it's Jacoby Brissett or whether it's, you know, maybe it's Russell Wilson, but they're not going to pay him a contract that says he's the starter. They're not paying starter money to the guy they bring in. I am genuinely curious who ultimately that's going to be because they have so much talent and potential. You would just like to see some of that realized for a team that's been in quarterback purgatory the last handful of years with Big Ben, who is essentially an immobile tree at the back end of his career. And then Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky and Mason Mason Rudolph ended up being the best quarterback of the three uh, the back end of last year. Crazy. Uh, Now, I mean, and he's on the team and they were watching him. That is a whole other conversation for another day. Why you're trying to force Mitch Trubisky down our throats, even though at practice it had to have been Mason Rudolph (laughs) that was the better answer. But neither here nor there because Trubisky was released last week. Uh, The Cincinnati Bengals, last but most certainly not least, because if they bring back Joe Burrow healthy, they are certainly going to be a team that's trying to get to a Super Bowl and face off with the Kansas City Chiefs as that top dog in the AFC. Um what do what what are what's your perspective on the Bengals? What else do they need in addition to obviously their quarterback getting back on his feet? Well, I think they need to keep T. Higgins and they need to figure out DJ Reader. Those are the two top free agents that they have. I think there's no question they're going to keep Higgins. They'll franchise him. They've got 60 million of cap room. So that's not going to be an issue. They've got to figure out the reader. They need another defensive lineman, a defensive tackle. When he's healthy, he was really good for them. And they've got money to spend, right? They've been very young on defense because they went through that transitional state, right? They played Dak Hill last year at safety. They played battle. Two young players. And I think once they've been in a Amaromo's system for another year, they'll improve. They, they need more corner help if they can get it. Cam uh, Taylor Britt was hurt sometime during the season, you know, and so I think they're going to need to get some of that, but they're, they're pieces to fix. It's the offense, right? Mm-hmm. Jonah Williams, their starting right tackle, who's not a great right tackle. I don't think they'll sign him. I think to me, he's one of those players where you know, it's all predicated on the number. You can find another right tackle. You don't have to overpay. They don't have a tight end on their team. Every one of their tight ends on their team are free agents. Now, they like Drew Sample. He played well for them. They signed Irv Smith last offseason. He wasn't very good. So they need a tight end. Can they get one in the open market? Yeah. I think the one thing the Bengals will do is a good job of keeping their star players. They'll keep Higgins. I don't know if they'll keep Tyler Boyd because I think they feel like they can get an inside receiver. I think they need to overspend for that. They need to find other defensive linemen. Yeah, uh, a lot of great points. And uh, when it comes to the wide receiver room, obviously want to keep as much of that gang together for their quarterback as possible. They do lose their offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, who's now the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. But Zach Taylor runs that group and calls it. interviews continue we talked about the AFC North earlier I mean it seems like a very natural transition coming off Justin Fields talk to get to the NFC North and so you know (laughs) we we went from the top down last time let's go from the bottom up and start with the ye old Chicago Bears Michael what is your end of season consensus looking at the Bears who who finished seven and ten another playoff miss and have a lot of things on their mind as it pertains to the draft what do you got well, there's one, you know, once in a lifetime happens once in a lifetime. And the Bears are in a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. position. 
Now, the 76ers had the same opportunity, and they just dramatically destroyed their franchise because they made countless mistake after mistake after mistake. And I hope the Bears don't because they misjudged the talent, the 76ers. If I were Ryan Poles, I would watch, I would study what the 76ers did that year when they really had the world by the tail. And they ended up turning it away, whether it was trading bridges, all that. It goes. So they have a great opportunity to really set their franchise for the next 15 years. I mean, what what happened with the Chiefs by picking Mahomes and the Saints not getting them changed the trajectory of the NFL. It's the same thing that has to happen in Chicago. And they've got every opportunity for it to happen. They've got to make the right pick at quarterback. I don't agree with Matt. They need a change of quarterback. You're never going to sign Fields to a fifth-year contract. You trade him, you rebuild your offensive and your defensive lines, and you move forward. There's inherent problems within, within their organization that they were able to overcome. Eberflus is not a great communicator. They rarely have staff meetings in the building. It's very challenging. But from a player standpoint, they've got to improve that offensive line and they've got to improve the defensive front because if they're going to run this scheme – and we saw when they traded for Sweat how he improved it, but they've got to get better inside. So to me, I think it's about fixing those areas, but really understanding understanding what it takes to win Super Bowls. That's what Poles' job is, because if he can evaluate that and he gets the right quarterback, as we saw with Mahomes, he won two Super Bowls without Tyreek Hill. Now, I'm not saying don't draft a receiver, but just a caveat here. Fields last year averaged 7.1 yards per attempt with D.J. Moore averaged 6.9. It's not always the receiver that makes the quarterback great. It's the quarterback who makes the receivers great. There is so much potential for opportunity with the Bears, and I just genuinely mm-hmm. have a fear. I, I genuinely have a fear that with you them should. retaining Eberflus, that there's potential for Justin for Caleb Williams to have an, a Justin Fields type of a situation where there's a coaching change after one year and all of that. Like I, I just I hope that I think that's worst case scenario, but I think it's very very plausible, and I worry about that for Chicago that it's just going to be another year in a similar cycle that they've gone through the last five. Well, they, they, you know, the Chicago Bears are a family-run organization. They're a great organization going back to Papa Bear, George Hallis himself, but they tend to be overly loyal. Yeah. And so they got to believe polls put him in this position and give him credit for that. You know, he put him in this position. Can they, they, can they make the right picks? Mm. Can they make the right picks? Because this, it's not about, it's, and the reason I keep bringing up basketball is because you got to hit with the picks. Yeah. It's one thing to get them all like the Oklahoma Thunder have. They hit with the picks. The 76ers didn't. So I think that's got to be the key here. You got to hit with, you got to get really good players with all these picks that you've accumulated. And it starts with the first pick and pick the right player there. Okay, so how about the Minnesota Vikings and their exit interview? Kirk Cousins was having yeah. the a career season until he injured his Achilles. Then Josh Dobbs comes in and lights the world on fire until he catches on fire. And then Nick Mullins the rest of the way, and things did not pan out the way the Vikings expected. I lose my season win total ticket. Thanks a lot. So they finished 7-10, and 10, missed the playoffs. Um, wh- is it just Kirk Cousins? Why things fell apart? What's the most important thing for them to resolve this offseason? And does Cousins come back potentially? Well, I mean, that's the number one thing. I mean, the the really what you got to decide is you've got some finally have some clap, cap flexibility in Minnesota. And, you know, you lost four games, the last four games of the year to destroy your overtotal. Now, you know, you, you got to remember, 
people say, well, you lost four in a row. Well, let's be clear here. You lost six of the last seven games. You were one in six over the last seven games. Because after you beat New Orleans, you lose to Denver. You lose to Chicago in a two-point loss. You lose. You beat the Raiders three to nothing. Which, if the Raiders done anything on, if if actually if Hunter Renfro doesn't drop the fumble, you're probably losing that game. How so, sad is that? That's the one win really, down the stretch, Michael. That's the one win down the stretch is three nothing. Good God. Three to nothing. Think about that, Stormy. You know, and 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 but they lose a three pointer to Cincinnati. They lose a six pointer to Detroit. They lose another ten pointer to Detroit. You know, Green Bay blew them out. Green Bay took care of them. They they had no chance. But I think they've got to take those six game that six out of seven losses and really kind of say this is who we are. And without they couldn't mask the quarterback position any longer. And now they've got to get Daniel Hunter signed. I mean, he's not under contract, so they're going to have to do some repairs. Are they going to want to put more money in the, into the quarterback and then not have the same kind of team around them, which is the problem, which is where they've been all their career, right? They've been in this situation. Give Cousins all the money, not have any money for somebody else. So this is a tough offseason, and I think it starts with who is going to be the quarterback. You know, can Kevin O'Connell, who you hire as your head coach, is there somebody out there that he thinks could be the quarterback, or is there some other way to where we can continue to build around this defense that Flory's made pretty good, but let's face it, they got some guys who are free agents. So to me, the number one thing they got to address is how do we fix the quarterback short-term and long-term? In Green Bay, they didn't know necessarily what they were going to get at quarterback with Jordan Love stepping in for Aaron Rodgers, end up getting uh, into the divisional round of the playoffs and probably should have won in advance to the NFC Championship. Uh, What do you expect moving forward for Green Bay and keys that they need to address? Well, I think Green Bay, when you look at it after, you know, they lost to Minnesota and were two and five, they really kind of got their thing going. And, you know, they had the two bad losses in New York and Tampa at home. But this is a really good young team that I think with with uh, the new defensive coordinator, Halfley, I think that's going to make some changes because it's going to put some more accountability within it. I don't think LaFleur wanted to make the change. But he, he decided and he went with Jeff Halfley, who he's comfortable with. He knows from the past. He really liked Mike Barry. That was the guy that he wanted to keep. But they just couldn't play good enough defense when it mattered the most. And I think ultimately all they need to keep doing is keep adding young talent because they are talented pretty much everywhere. They got a lot of a nucleus, even though Big Daddy won't admit it. Their nucleus of young players is very good. And we saw when Aaron Jones is going – he makes a difference in their offense. They need to get off the A.J. Dillon train and come back on the Aaron Jones trade. They need another running back like that. Although Dillon gives them that one-two punch you kind of want, that I think if San Francisco had that, you know, I keep going back to that toss play in the Super Bowl on first and 10 where McCaffrey gets six yards, five and a half yards, and he goes down on an arm tackle late in the game. I mean, if that's a power back, you're going to get more than that on that play. So that one-two punch really helps. I think Dylan or some other back like that, you don't have to pay for Dylan because I don't think he's going to have a huge market. While the Packers should have made the NFC Championship, the Lions should have made the Super Bowl. They finished the year 12-5, and a great run under Dan Campbell this year. Um, They're a team, Michael, that they didn't have the experience in the postseason. Now they do. Is this the year where they take a, a really big step and push it further, in your opinion? Yeah, I think they do. And I, and I think the way their coach coaches, I think that certainly has to help them, right? Because he's not a guy that's going to rest on his laurels. And I think ultimately 
the thing that could hurt the Lions more than anything is the disease of me. Everybody wants to get paid. Yeah. Everybody wants a new contract. Everybody wants this, wants that. And I'm not sure that, you know, Campbell will tolerate that. I think he'll put the pressure on him. He'll coach hard. He'll hold people accountable. They got their offensive coordinator who was interviewing for jobs. He stayed. Aaron Glenn interviewed for a bunch of head coaching jobs. He stayed. So they've got continuity. Now they can continue to fix their defense, right? They're going to score points on anybody. You know, Goffs can throw the ball effectively when he has time. The strength of the team is their offensive line, and that's been the key for them. Now they need to make the strength of their team their defense. They need better speed on defense. They need more speed in the secondary. They need another edge guy to go with it. Those tackles are good. We saw them give San Francisco trouble, their defensive tackles. And so I think they're collecting talent really to head them in the right direction. you got to like with Detroit. I think the only obstacle to Detroit is when you watch them on tape, the only obstacle is complacency. They can't feel content to what they did last year going into next year. We don't have division odds just yet, but if you had to pick between Detroit and Green Bay just right now, early thoughts, who did you like more? I think Green Bay's got more talent, actually. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. Let's go to the South in, in both of the conferences here, starting with the AFC. We're going to kind of go through each one of these teams for anybody who was not with us yesterday, just like a team does at the end of the year with their coaches, players, personnel, exit interviews as they walk out, kind of take stock in how a team performed throughout the regular season and postseason, what they might need moving forward to improve, take that next step, or why they didn't get to the goals that they wanted to have. So let's start with the Houston Texans, Michael, who I think you would agree largely exceeded expectations for the majority of people for what they had on them. D'Amico Ryans was fantastic um, as a first-year head coach. C.J. Stroud was great, and they ended up making the divisional round in the postseason. So how did you kind of summarize their year and what they need to do moving forward? 
Well, I think it was remarkable what they were able to accomplish, because if you'd have said to me this time last year that, you know, that the Texans were going to compete, I would have said, well, Damien Pierce was going to have a good year, not average 2.9 a carry, you know, and, and struggle to score. But they did it really without a run game. I mean, they Singletary came on, almost got 900 yards for them, averaged over four yards a carry. So I think as they step into this offseason, improving their run game, improving their, their running back, improving the offensive line, and staying healthy up front. I think that's going to be a key thing. They've made some changes already within, I think, their the structure of their their player development program so that they can try to stay healthier because they had a lot of injuries, missed games. I think that's one. Two, they've got to get Tank Dell healthy and back on the field. He makes a huge difference in their offense. Nico Collins, they're going to have to re-sign Dalton Schultz. And then I think defensively the game plan becomes a lot easier because the way they play defense with D'Amico Ryans, it's all about the defensive front. It's all about getting guys who can pressure the quarterback. They've got to be able to do that. And, you know, they did that with they got Will Anderson to play well. Greenard is really their best rusher. I mean, Will Anderson had seven sacks. I know he won Rookie of the Year, but Greenard, and he was hurt late in the season. They've got to re-sign him. He's going to be a key guy to have on their team. So they got to keep improving that defensive front because that's the strength of what they want to do defensively. And I think if they can do that, they can be right back to where they were last year. Sure, and uh, I can already see people taking tickets for C.J. Stroud, MVP, to improve on that offensive rookie of the year performance that he put up. Uh, now, how about the Jacksonville Jaguars, Michael, who, when they beat the Houston Texans on the road on November 26th, they were 8-3 and three with sights of the top seed in the AFC on their mind, and then things just fell apart. They ended up missing the playoffs altogether, losing five of their last six games, the only victory in that time coming over at the Carolina Panthers. How and why did things fall apart for Jacksonville, and how did they get back on track? Well, I think Jacksonville's got the challenge for Jacksonville is they've got to get better in their, you know, they've got to get Trevor Lawrence to play at a higher level, right? I mean, I think that's just pretty much all they got. This is where they are. They've got to get that, they've got to get that handled. They've got to get him to play to the level that he was drafted. If I said to you that, you know, uh, the seventh pick over, the seventh rounder in, and Brock Purdy played better, people would say, oh, no, he's a seventh rounder. Well, I'm just telling you, he played way better than him. And and that's a concern. And so they've got to get that. They have to get that to where it's where they can do it and he can make a huge difference. And then they've got to get better defensively. They made the change defensively with Mike Caldwell. They brought in the coach from Atlanta uh, as the defensive coordinator, which certainly will help because Atlanta played without a lot of talent. Atlanta played better on defense, but they've got to improve their secondary coverage. When Campbell was hurt, they weren't the same team defensively. They're going to have to get something out of Walker, the kid they picked over Hutchinson in the first round. He hasn't been the same player that Hutchinson's been. And so they're going to have to improve their front. They got Josh Allen. But they also, it all starts with, and it's not going to really change, starts with the quarterback. And can they find a way to keep the quarterback from making mistakes? And can they balance their offense? Because they become very predominantly a pass team without any physicality to them, which has been a trademark of, of what we've seen out of Doug Peterson. So it starts with the quarterback here.
Yeah, and obviously health was an issue for him as well as a number of players as well. Christian Kirk down the stretch, Zay Jones, um, Cam Robinson missed a number of starts, although a handful of those obviously due to suspension as well. Um, Speaking of injuries, the Indianapolis Colts had a major injury to their rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson, who was turning a lot of heads early on in the season when he took over as QB1. What do you look when you look at the Indianapolis Colts? um, Was it just the quarterback position? why they didn't reach their full potential or what is next for our guy Elliott's team moving forward? Well, I think Gardner did a decent job. He's Gardner Minshew, right? He did a decent job. I think to me, getting Richardson back certainly helps them and they've got to get healthy. Their problems to me are on defense. Can they be good enough on defense? You know, their front's not nearly what it needs to be to run this scheme. You know, we talk about it in the Super Bowl. When you run basically a zone concept scheme like they do in Indianapolis and you don't threaten the quarterback and you don't take the game over like they didn't do against the Texans, you're vulnerable. They had the Texans. They could have easily beat the Texans in that game. You know, they just couldn't get off the field. They had a second and 20, and they let them throw a 15-yard check down because of the way they play zone coverage. So I, I think the pressure's on Gus Bradley, but I think the pressure's more on Shane Steichen to change Gus Bradley because this uh, this defense is just going to be too soft when you've got to win games. And if you don't have a dominant rusher, you know, whether it's Pay, whether it's Mbuka, you've got to be able to really rush the passer well and dominate from inside. And, you know, Grover Stort's a good player. He's a free agent. What are they going to do with him, right? Buckner's getting older, right? He's an older player now. So they've got to improve the defensive front. Richardson's going to make them better offensively just by his skill set. They're going to need to make sure they have a backup quarterback with him too because he played two games, barely got hit, and was missing games already. Yeah, plays the football uh, plays football with a very physical style. That's for sure. The Colts finished the season nine and eight, uh, tied with the Jags for the in season record. Tennessee Titans end up finishing last in the AFC South, six and eleven. Cost Mike Vrabel his job. In steps Brian Callahan as the new head coach. Certainly, the offensive line and hiring his dad to help up that group will be significant for Tennessee moving forward. What's the what's the ceiling and floor for this team moving forward? Well, I think it's all attached to Levis, right? They've gone, they put all the chips in the middle of the table with Will Levis. They've said, hey, he's our guy. We need him to be the player, and we're going to improve that. But more than anything, if, if you are, if you are Rand Carthon, you, you've got to sit there and say, look, we've missed on so many first-round picks here. You know, we've got, to, we've got to improve our overall talent base. And I think that's going to be the key. And starts with the offensive line. Now, they had a good offseason in some, so they get Bill Callahan to come in and help coach the line. But they don't really have a left tackle. The right tackle's problematic. I mean, it's going to take some work here because even the guys they signed last year didn't come through for them. They need more talent in the offensive line. They need better skill around Levis, right? They need a a better skilled team. This is a team that really, I felt like, overachieved because of Rabel. Their defense, really, when it got hurt last year, they couldn't cover anybody. The secondary was poor, and now they've got a bunch of free agents in the secondary and a bunch of free agents on defense. So, got a ton of cap room. I'm sure they're going to spend some money. But to me, it starts with their offensive and defensive line. They've got to get somebody next to Simmons that can play. You know, they had Tarrant in there. When he was going good, it was good. But then he decided he didn't want to play and they end up cutting him. So they're going to have to get better up front. And they got to find better rushers, too. Landry was hurt. They just don't have enough talent. I mean, it's everywhere, but it starts with the line in Tennessee, and it starts with the quarterback. Can he play better? Yeah, and I I really look to the hire of Bill Callahan for that offensive line. We know, obviously, what what he has done as an O-line guru 
what he did for the Browns, and we'll see um, if he can carry some of that over in Tennessee because Will, Will Levis is certainly going to need it. The Detroit Lions, one of those squads that significantly upgraded over the past year and a half. Um, so let's take a look at this, the, the NFC South here um, and go through one by one. Let me pull it up really quick. Um, bop, 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 bop. Actually, we're going to do the NFC South instead. I thought we were going to do the, the Lions and Packers, but we already did that. And that is my blonde that moment. Yesterday. That is my blonde moment for the day, Michael. Let's go <laughs> to the fine. NFC South, starting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But the, yeah. it still rings true. The improvement was there because everybody thought no more Tom Brady. Things are going to take a step back. The Bucs end up winning the division anyways, nine and eight. And, and they make it to the divisional round as well with Baker Mayfield. They got figure out what they're going to do at quarterback moving forward. I know Mayfield has said that he would like to and plans to stay with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we'll maybe learn a little bit more here in the franchise tag window. But what was your evaluation of the Bucs and their potential next year? Well, I mean, look, they were in cap hell last year, right? And I think the worst thing they can do is go back to cap hell again, because, you know, they won five of the last six games, which got them in the playoffs, right? And then they beat the Eagles in a playoff game. But look, let's put things in perspective. Mayfield was good. He wasn't worth $50 million a year. And so he's going to become a free agent. Like, who's competing with you for Mayfield? you got to get the right contract on Mayfield. I thought what Randy said was really true. Randy Mueller said, you know, you've got to weigh your options a little bit here. Right? Yeah, you want Mayfield. He was great to your team. And you're not going to quibble over a million here or a million there. But if it's $10 million, now you've lost two players, right? So they've got to fix the quarterback and they've got to maintain discipline within the framework of their team, you know, because they are going to be in some kind of cap struggle. They've got to replace Mike Evans. And then they've got to find a way, Stormy, to run the football at some point. Last year, they averaged 3.4 yards a carry. They had eight touchdown rushing all year, which was a problem. They only had eight touchdowns rushing all year. So that meant every time they got in the red zone, it was on Mayfield, who's a six-foot quarterback, and he's struggling to see over the big alignment. Those are the areas that I think they've got to focus on. But the number one, if they overpay for Mayfield, now when his contract comes out that he signs, we're going to read about it. It'll be a lie what we read about. It. It'll be like, oh, my God, they just paid him 50, whatever it is. But until we can analyze the contract, it's got to be the right number for the team. Because if they overpay, it's going to take away from other players that they need. Yeah, you don't want to get yourself in a Daniel Jones situation over there in Tampa. Uh, Mike Evans, a free agent as well. How about the the Saints who, fun fact about Derek Carr, Michael, he's the only active quarterback to lose to 30 NFL teams facing a chance to make history this year because they're scheduled to face the Raiders and Panthers in 2024, that he could stand as the only quarterback to lose to every NFL team. Just fun fact there. Anyways, what, mm -hmm. what did you think of Derek Carr in his first year in New Orleans and what they need to do to become a contender in the NFC South next year? Well, I mean, it's classic Carr. Wins four of the last five games, scores 48 against Atlanta in a meaningless game, uh, though they did beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a game that they needed to win, so credit them for that. You know, average 7-1 per attempt, which is typically right around what he does because he's going to get rid of the football quickly. I think the Saints, who are the worst cap shape of any team in the league and been this way for the last four or five years, they're going to have to figure out a way to get their – 
get their players get under the cap. That's number one. You know, they're going to have to figure out that and they're going to have to replace some of these guys they are going to lose in free agency just by the nature of where they are cap wise. And they've got to find a way to generate some pass rush. I think one of the things that they really had a hard time doing when Grandison got hurt, he led their team in sacks. You know, they didn't have any rush. I mean, Demario Davis is their second leading rusher on their team. They're going to have to find defensive linemen. I know Dennis Allen knows this. He knows they need to improve the defense. And so they've got to be able to. They held opponents to 327 yards. Problem was, there were so many times they got down the red zone, they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. It was the Saints and the Falcons who going into last season were talked about most as the teams that people thought were going to win this division. Obviously, that did not come to fruition. Atlanta ends up firing their head coach. Raheem Morris now will take over that job from Arthur Smith. Questions for them at quarterback as well. Um, What's your debriefing on Atlanta? Well, it's all about the quarterback. We finally, I mean, Fontenot came out. Terry Fontenot said, you know, He said this, you you evaluate players every point in their career when he was asked about Justin Fields. That's why it's critical we go through pre-agency possible trades when evaluating every player. We look at the report from last year or this year's report. So to answer your question, we're going to evaluate everybody, which is telling me they're going to look for a trade. I think they think their team needs a veteran quarterback to get it over the hump as opposed to hoping they can get a rookie. I think they'll be in play on Fields. I really do. He's from the area. I think they feel like, you know, maybe they could make him into this six back offense, single wing type of quarterback. But finally, after a year of trying to kid themselves with Desmond Ritter, they've now Fontenot, who was there last year, finally admits they need a quarterback. And then they've got to improve their defensive front. I mean, when you turn down a when you turn out like Randy Mueller unprompted said this the, on the show today about how hard it is to find three techniques, how hard it is to find five techniques, right? I mean, think about this. This front office took a running back, albeit a good one, over a, a three technique who could dominate a game. I mean, that's 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 a horrible sin to make, and that's why their defensive front isn't good enough. They masked it last year, but it's going to be hard. They lost four of the last five games, not because of their defense, but look, let's face it, when they went into Chicago in the cold weather, they had no interest in playing anything. And to your point previously about Fields, I think Atlanta would be the perfect landing spot for him. That's the team that I continue to come back to. Like sometimes a change would do you good. I think with the weapons that he'd have around him, take some of that pressure off, utilize his legs a little bit more. I would love that. Uh, Last one here, the Carolina Panthers. A lot more negative than positive to say coming off a 2-15 and season, but a new head coach, new regime. Um, David Tepper maybe trying to take his hands off a little bit. Is there any reason for optimism in Carolina? Well, yeah, there has to be. There's only one way but up, right? We can only go up. We don't have, we're not going anywhere, right? We're, we can't go any lower than we were last year, you know, and we won two games and we were in some games, had chances, but you got to feel like, okay, great. You know, this, this, we're going up. We can only go up. So I, I think, I think that's the selling point. If you're Dave Canales, you're saying, look, that's, we're going to get better. We're going to coach harder. We're going to get everybody on a line, not on the same page, but everybody aligned to reach the goals that we want to reach. And I think that's doable. Now, you know, you and I both felt like they weren't that bad two years ago, coming off a, team, a year they could run the football. They were playing better defense, but it all went to hell last year. It's got to get better, Stormy. It's got to. Uh, and hopefully they can cash a few more tickets for us, too. If you were betting the Panthers, you went 5-11. and 11, Not much better than what their actual record was. Dave Canales, by the way, 20-1 to 1 for Coach of the Year this coming season.
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And let's start with the NFC West and from the top down, because I'd rather be shortchanged on the Arizona Cardinals talk than I would on the 49ers talk. You know, I mean, this is still me we're talking about at the end of the day, Michael. Um, But let's start with the Niners, division winners after 12 and 5 season. As Millie said to you on the show, as well, it should be right. I mean, we know that it's no big deal. We got to handle the 49ers. Go ahead. Let's do it. Where are we headed here? All right. So made it to the Super Bowl, but did not get it done. Obviously fallen overtime to Kansas City, 25-22, a strong season overall, Michael. They were favored in every single game, including that Super Bowl, but did not get the ultimate win that they need. So what, in your opinion, kept them from reaching their full potential and what will it take to get redemption this coming year? What cost them the game essentially was their inability to rush the passer in the two Super Bowls that they've lost in the fourth quarter. I mean, this is, you know, this is fact. Give up 21 points in the fourth quarter to the Chiefs. You know, give up the points and give up a 24 play drive and two drives in the fourth quarter and then the touchdown and overtime to the Chiefs again. So they're close. They're close, but they're going to have to figure out a way. And I think a lot of this has more to do with scheme than it does with we've got to improve our talent place. Look, they have to get better players. Everybody does. That's that's easy to say. But what they really need to do is they need to be able to have more multiplicity within their within their defensive play sheet. They need to be able to run some zone blitzes. They need to be a more effective zone man team than they were. It's going to require investing in some corners. But to me, they're close. They really are. They just need to stay on course and alter a little bit, adjust what they do. I think they could definitely use another runner to help them bang it a little bit, give them a little bit more power. I don't think they should pay for that. I think they should find that in the open market. I think they should bottom fish for free agency. They can do that. A little bit like when the Eagles traded for LeGarrette Blunt and they or Jay Ajay, they signed LeGarrette Blunt and they had Jay Ajay. That combination really was tough to defend. So I think that. I think it to me it really comes down to what is going to happen with the coordinator, and I think they're taking time off. They're in no rush to hire the defense coordinator. We've seen no interviews. 
We've seen no speculation other than Staley's name's been bandied around, which doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of how the scheme fits within him. So I think that what Kyle's doing is taking time off, kind of regrouping himself and maybe talking on Zoom, talking to a few people, but then kind of coming back from his vacation, which I think they get back next week sometime and then kind of attacking it, get ready for the combine. Yeah, take your time, get that higher right. Also, though, just how important is this coming season as a whole when you think about the contracts that they're going to have to pay and Brock Purdy still being at a, at a cheap deal for them for now? Yeah, well, I think to me, they got to make I mean, the IU contract's the hard one because, you know, you really need an outside receiver because you're so prone to throw the ball in the middle of the field between the numbers. You've got Kittle's a great inside receiver. McCaffrey's an inside receiver. And Debo, for all his skill, is an inside receiver. So, you know, it's a little bit like how many guys can you pack into the lane, right? You need some three-point shooters. And Ayuk gives them a three-point shooter. He can spread the field for them. And it's going to be interesting to see where this leads to. And he's going to get paid. He's a really good player, average seven, over 17 yards a catch, put the ball in the end zone. He can win one-on-one on the outside. You know, and, and look, Purdy can get the ball out there, too. This isn't like Purdy's limited to throwing inside the numbers. So be interesting. Look, the Niners are good on their cap. They'll figure it out. But what they have to do is that, that 22 draft, which I don't think people realize, the one they got Purdy in, which saved them, but it also hurt them because they didn't get any other players from that draft. Let's go to the Rams. You called this maybe the best coaching job of Sean McVay's career. They started the season three and six, but end up going on that seven and one run, end the season with double digit wins and a playoff berth. How do you unpack the Rams season and how can they take another step forward next season? Well, I think the Rams are in a twofold problem, right? So the Rams have to find their quarterback of the future. Right. They spent last offseason trying to trade Stafford. They weren't sure they they drafted Stetson Bennett. We have not seen or heard from Stetson Bennett from anywhere. We don't even know where he is. Right. So that fourth round pick is gone. They need somebody who's going to be the quarterback of their future. And they need to continue to add what they did. You credit credit Les Snead, credit everybody at the Rams. They've done a great job of adding young talent to their team. That needs to continue because, remember, they're behind in a lot of drafts here now. right? They haven't had first-round picks forever. They're going to need to find more players like they found this year in terms of the draft where they, you know, they get in the third round and they get young you know, and they're able to find some of these really good rushers and Turner. And then they, you know, they get Puka, you know, as a receiver in the fifth round. I mean, this is what's going to take for them to get it. And I think they just need to add another draft like they've had another offseason. You know, they're going to have more cap room, but they got to figure out what's going to lie ahead because Stafford played, you know, he played a lot. He missed, what, two, one game. But, you know, when he missed that game, it all fell apart on him. And they got to have to keep him healthy. He played really well for them. 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. You know, he threw the ball over 500 times. He was good. He was really good. And and I think, to me, if they don't burn that time out in the Detroit game and they're better in the red zone of the Detroit game, they might have won that one. Uh, In Seattle, Geno Smith didn't have the same year like he did that earned him the contract and comeback player of the year. They were 5-2, and though, at the beginning of the season. People were talking about how they might actually supplant the 49ers and win the division. But then they had to play San Francisco twice, the Ravens, the Cowboys, a number of tough teams. And they saw a number of players get injured as well. In all, Michael, they played 11 games against teams with winning record, went 3-8 and in those games, culminating in a collapse that ended up costing Pete Carroll his job. And now they bring in Mike McDonald. So what will be... 
priority one most important for Mike McDonald to do this offseason to get Seattle in a good place? Well, the same thing that's going to happen in San Francisco. Mike McDonald's going to bring versatility to the defensive scheme. Think about this, Stormy. This defense allowed 46.3% conversion on third down. They allowed 4.6 yards per run in the game. They allowed 11.2 yards per attempt, yards passing per completion. They gave up 23 touchdown passes. They were not good on defense all year. And I think they have better defensive talent than they displayed. I think, to me, they need to be more versatile with their scheme. They need to do some different things. And McDonald showed last year to all of us in the league, as a young coach, he was able to get that accomplished. And you got to applaud him for that. So I think that's step one. Step two is they got to stay healthy at running back. Walker, uh, Charbonnet, those guys, they need to be able to run the ball. They want to run it. They need to have balance in their attack. They just can't say, okay, Gino, you're going to throw it around a lot, right? And Gino does a great job. Gino only had nine interceptions last year. Gino does a good job protecting the ball. They lost both their offensive tackles during the season, which was problematic for them. They were able to adjust. I mean, remember, when you're bringing Jason Peters at 40-plus years old off your team and he's playing in games, you're in dire straits in the offensive line. I really like Seattle. I'm going to be really excited to see what they do. I like McDonald from a technical standpoint, from a scheme standpoint. I think they're better defensively than we think they are. That secondary can grow. I think that it's going to be interesting to see where they place the books, place their over total number uh, I, I th- or their win total. Mm-hmm. I think they're an over candidate team for me. How about Arizona? Uh, how did you cap Jonathan Gannon's first season as head coach? Obviously didn't have Kyler Murray the first half of the year, one and eight without him, three and five once he came back. Looking ahead to next year, what stands out? Well, I thought they did a really good job. I mean, you know, they, they were able to run the football effectively. I mean, they averaged five yards a carry in the run game, and everybody. And, they didn't have, and there were times they didn't have a quarterback. I mean, they had, you know, they had no quarterback playing it. You know, they cut Dobbs, and then when Murray came back, and then he got hurt, and then he played. So, for me, you know, they've got to get Murray to play better. I mean, Murray averaged 6.7 yards per attempt. You're not beating anybody with that, right? You're not going to beat anybody with that. So they've got to get him to play at this level where they keep continually calling him a franchise quarterback, but yet he doesn't play to the franchise level. I mean, let's face it, Josh Dobbs and him, the numbers are are relatively similar. Eight touchdowns to ten, five, both had five interceptions. You know, he was more accurate than Dobbs and made more plays, but... If if I'm having a conversation with you and I'm mentioning Dobbs is similar to Murray in the same <laughs> sentence, what does that tell you? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's not the way that the Cardinals would like that conversation not what we to want, go. Right? That's for sure. Four and thirteen. So the final record there for for Arizona. We got to hit the all break. All this stuff we're talking about, it's got to it's got to change quickly. to the AFC West and the back-to-back champion Chiefs, Michael, uh, in a year where it seemed like they were vulnerable, in a year where it seemed like finally the offense isn't going to work. Well, guess what? They Mm -hmm. found a way once again, and they go on to win a Super Bowl. What were some of your biggest takeaways from how this team made it work, and could they be in line for a three-peat? 
Well, look, they won two Super Bowls without a number one receiver, which is basically unconstitutional. If you listen to anybody in any offseason, you have to have a number one receiver. But they have some cap room. They're going to redo Mahomes' deal to get even more cap room, which will probably get them Chris Jones back. Could they afford to sign LeJarrus Sneed? I don't think so. I think that's going to be a really expensive one. And I think what you'll see with the Chiefs are a lot of what happens to good teams in the league is they're able to find players at economic value because guys want to be part of winning teams. So I think they're going to find a receiver. They've got to handle the offensive line, right? Donovan Smith, who wasn't great for them, is a free agent. But they don't. do they have a backup left tackle? We shall see. Willie Gay played really well for them on defense, free agent. Are they going to bring him back? So they've got a lot of issues in terms of some of their own players. But I think ultimately what they have to do, if they bring Jones back, they're going to keep looking for receivers. They're going to bottom fish. And they're going to be able to say, look, we can play any style now. And if we start to add more skill, we'll be even better. So I, I think to me, the future is bright. Yeah, if I, if I was making decisions with the Chiefs, Seeing and knowing what we know now about the Kansas City Chiefs offense and their ability to adjust and change and do whatever they need as long as Patrick Mahomes is still their guy under center, just keep investing in that offensive line and keep investing in your defense and you'll be just fine because yep. they find a way to make it work, whether it's schematically or just because Patrick Mahomes is your guy. Now, the Patrick Mahomes era has not been kind to basically the entire AFC West. He's led them to six of their eight straight AFC West titles. It's been particularly unkind, however, though, to the Silver and black because while Mahomes has been the quarterback the Chiefs are 10-2 and two against the Raiders uh, just, and I, I know that now. But they have the magic formula That's Stormy. what I was going to say. The now that formula. they have Antonio Pierce they have the recipe they have the <laughs> blueprint so uh, what did you learn about the Raiders this year in the time especially under AP and what we can expect from them uh, this coming season? One of the disappointing things for me was, and I'm friends with Josh McDaniels, my son worked there, but I will say this. One of the disappointing things for me is when Dave Ziegler and Josh went there, they did nothing to really improve the defensive front, the offensive front. They, they ignored the lines. They signed. They did something that I would have never done, which is trade a lot for a receiver and pay them. You know how I feel about that. And so for me, the secret formula for beating the Chiefs really is about upgrading your defensive front. We know Crosby's great. And then being able to improve your offensive line, which isn't great. You know, when they lost when they lost the left tackle for a lot of the season, you know, they missed that. They had to move Illuminor over to left tackle. That wasn't really very good. And they have to move pieces. They can't get control of the line of scrimmage. Everybody's going to want them to re-sign Josh Jacobs. And Mark Davis, the owner, loves Josh Jacobs. He sees him as the guy who represents the Raiders, which I think is true. But how much is that? Is that worth $14 million a year? I, I don't know. I mean, I think that becomes really expensive. So, I think they've got to go back to, if you say, what is the Raider way? The Raider way is dominating up front. Upshaw, you know, Shell, these great offensive linemen that are all in the Hall of Fame. Howie Long, Chester McLaughlin, all these great defensive linemen that they've had. That hasn't been the case for a while. So when I listen to people talk about, oh, they've got to go back to the Raider way, the Raider way is offensive and defensive linemen being great there. 
And then, of course, naturally, they got to figure out this quarterback situation. And I think, to me, it's going to be it'll be someone like a Russell Wilson who they won't have to pay very much. They have thirty five million of cap room, so they've got the money. But I think they're going to try to find a guy if they're not able to trade up in the draft. And you mentioned it earlier when it comes to this Raiders team. There's a lot of talk right now, and it's it's fun right now when you're not out there on the field. It's and he AP certainly sounds like a guy that'll make you want to run through a wall. But if the substance isn't there, you're just going to run into that wall, and that's not going to be good for anybody. So uh, I hope that it does turn into substance, though. I would like the team that is in my city to have a little bit of success. Uh, not too much, though. Not too much. You know, still believe in that Battle of the Bay mentality from the from back in the California days, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And you mentioned quarterback and Russell Wilson. The Denver Broncos are going to be next on our list here for their exit interview in the AFC West. It was a much better season than what was his statistically worst season of his career last year with Nathaniel Hackett, now under Sean Payton. But with Russell Wilson inevitably going out the door, it's going to be a hefty cost for this Denver Broncos team still, even with him not on the roster. What's next for them under Payton in year two? Well, the good news is you're not very good. So that doesn't mean that you're not worried about losing some of your own players, right? I mean, that's the thing. When, you, when, you don't, when you're not a good team, are you really worried about losing a guy? I don't think so. So they're, they're $24 million at currently over the cap now. And that doesn't include what they do with Wilson. So they're going to spend most of their offseason getting below the cap and trying to piece together the team. And we know this. We know that Sean Payton has made it very clear that he's going to try to get a quarterback, that he, whether it's Jarrett Stidham, whether that experiment worked or not, I think he's going to want to try to. They spent money last year. I don't see them spending money this year because they're going to have to get below the cap. They're going to be able to reduce some contracts, but who would, who would they want to bring back that they feel like is worthy bringing back? I don't think that's the case. I think this is going to be a, a team that gets younger and younger, and they're going to have to improve in the defensive front. They're going to have to get, get to a chance where they can find the quarterback of the future because everything else doesn't matter. If they don't fix the quarterback, where are they going? This next one, you can tell me if this is a hot take or not. Every year there is one team in one division that goes from worst to first. I know that Kansas City has won eight straight AFC West titles. I like the Chiefs to go. I mean, I like the the Chargers to go from worst to first and mm-hmm. supplant the Chiefs in the AFC West with Jim Harbaugh as their head coach. What do you think? Well, I think to me, you're right. I, I like that idea because I think, as I've said, he gives them something that they need desperately, which is toughness, which is physicality. But here's what he walked into. He walked into 45 million of cap mm. of cap issues. They're going to have to start trimming players. And they're going to have to get below the cap and they're going to have to get young, which fits him perfectly. Right. This fits him ideally because he'll get young players to come in there and he'll and he'll play young guys. They're going to have to do that. They got the quarterback, which they can do. What do they do with Eckler? I don't know. They got two receivers. Keenan Allen is still very good. You know, and, and Mike Williams, unfortunately, has been hurt too often. And that's a problem. But they have to get below the cap. And and once they do. To me, you know, for all the money that they put in their defensive front, are they really good enough? All the money they put in in their offensive line, are they good enough? I think that's the real issue. You know, Mark Davis hired Tom Telesco at the Raiders to become the general manager because he was really impressed with the Chargers' talent on their team. You know, I, I don't see as much talent as Mark Davis did, 
because I think they've got guys that maybe didn't play to the level that the talent indicates, and that could be true. Harbaugh will get more out of them, there's no question. Yeah, I'm not naive to the fact that this is a Chargers team that's got a lot of problems, and as you said, they've got aging and expensive talent, if, if that's still what we're okay with calling them. But I, I think exactly what you said there last, is that Jim Harbaugh will get the most out of these players, and I think he'll get the most out of your franchise quarterback who has done nothing but set record after record in his little amount of time here in the league, but is not a winner, and he has a sub-500 record in the National Football League. This team has expectations year after year, and they never seem to find a way to reach them. I think they reach them with Jim Harbaugh, and if the Chiefs... I do too. If the Chiefs play any like they did the majority of this season next season I think there's an opportunity potentially for LA I do and, and look one thing about it is the, the you know the Chargers lost so many close games last year because they had no mental and physical toughness they couldn't find a way to win the close okay. games I think they will I think they'll be a tough team to play I think he'll have them ready to go and he won't back down mm-hmm. his competitive spirit that he demonstrates on a daily basis will transcend itself right into what he's doing there and I mean that team it'll become contagious they will feed off of that and I think ultimately that's what they need that's why I like the move I, I, I don't like the move because he's my friend <laughs> I like the move because I think he's exactly what they need he, they need a tough guy they, they lack toughness badly yep we did our list yesterday of Michael's top five off-season coaching changes. Jim Harbaugh was number one on that list. And uh, it'll be interesting to see ultimately how things come to fruition there. I I don't know what it is about Jim because from the outside looking in, kind of an odd duck, right? But he's got some sort of witchcraft and wizardry that just makes it work wherever he goes. Uh, we got uh, Odd duck is an interesting <laughs> word, yes. <laughs> We're going to take different. a time I would out. say different, not okay, odd. Okay, maybe I that's nicer. Different. I didn't mean it to be disrespectful. It's just... He's unique. We continue a series we've been doing here the last week or so, our exit interviews, talking every team in the NFL. And we go to the AFC East, especially for our uh, Destin viewers today with the New England Patriots team that finished rock bottom in that division. Uh, But it's interesting. We talk so much about the cap space, Michael. And, you know, at least for New England, they're not in a bad position. It's just a matter of you've got such young personnel and such a rebuild having to undergo here. Uh, Where do you go? And our exit interview questions for each team. Starting out, number one, did the team reach its full potential or did they fall short? Why or why not? And that's where it's a interesting question, right, with the Patriots because of how bad the personnel ended up looking by the end of the year. Well, I mean, it really is pretty not a complicated issue when it deals with the Patriots. They've got to get a quarterback. I mean, between Zappi, Mac Jones, I mean, it was a turnover machine and it highlighted a lot of other problems on their team. Uh, really, the issue is going to start with the offensive line, right? That Trent, the both starting tackles, Trent Brown is a free agent. Michael Owanu is a free agent. Now they can franchise him. Owanu moved to right tackle, was typically a right guard. He moved out to right tackle, which assures him to get more money uh, out there. They're going to have to really improve this offensive line. They're going to have to improve the skill players. But it won't matter if they don't improve the quarterback position. So I think that's first and foremost. Now, there's no quarterbacks out there in free agency. So with the money that they have and the willingness that they seem to spend, remember, the Patriots over the last 10 years have spent the least amount of money of any team in the National Football League. Last year, they were 31st in team spending. This is not a knock on them. This is just they don't want to make a mistake. They don't overpay. They're willing to pass on a guy. But I think this year they're going to be in one of the top spending teams. They want Mayo to be successful. They want to transition from the Belichick era 
into the Mayo era, and I think they're going to put more money on the table. Look, they've hired 21 assistant coaches. You know, in the past, that was unheard of for New England. You know, they, they, they were never spending or allocating that many money resources into a coaching staff. So I think 21 is excessive. I think I don't think obviously having that many coaches produces wins. Look how many they, Super Bowls they won with, with a smaller staff. So but they're going to have to put some money into this team. And as I've said, the last five years, 31st, the last 10 years, 32nd in spending. So the spending is going to have to start on the auxiliary items outside the quarterback position, and they're going to need to use that third pick if they feel like there's a quarterback there. And Elliot Wolf now takes over. Matt Groh was running the department, and now we've had a shift with Elliot Wolf running it. To, he'll do that, and I think Elliot will do a really good job. Elliot's a really good talent evaluator. He understands what the art of team building requires, and I think he'll focus on the offensive line and adding pieces to their defense. Look, their defense held them in a lot of games. They got four wins, but, I mean, between the field goal kicker and the quarterback, there could have yep. been three more wins easily in that team. Third in a lot of categories in the overall defensive numbers, and now you have Elliot Wolf, who even though they have not named an official GM, he's, got, he's the guy most resembling that title, the son of the great former GM, well, Ron Wolf. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, look, it's pretty clear. Jonathan Jonathan Kraft is running the team. I think that's fairly clear. You know, they they, they didn't name anybody. They're not going to name a general manager. It's going to be that I have plausible deniability, you know, and they're going to run everything. Look, this is part of what's happened. And, and again, this is not a knock. This is just what you have. to. If you want your team back is what the Krafts obviously wanted. They want their team back. They want to run their team. And they have every right to run their team. They own the team. They paid the money to have the team. So I think Jonathan and Robin Glazer, the, his legal counsel, I think those are the two who are in on every coaching interviews that they've had go through there, So, which is fine. And Elliot will do a really good job for them, and they're going to have to be very good offensively and defensively in terms of the scheme. This is a different, this is a different operation. We are now in collaboration mode here in New England as opposed to one man running the team. It also leads into the whole thought of, okay, for the ceiling in 2024, when you have a team that was that good on the defensive end, but you have so many question marks at the most important positions on offense, how, how high do you view that to be, Michael, when there isn't really, uh, really a known commodity right now based on the free agent market, and you certainly figure it's how the draft shakes out there for the Patriots at quarterback? Well, it's like anything. I mean, if they get – look, Houston this time last year, we were thinking they were going to have a top five pick again. And they made the playoffs because they hit with Stroud. I think that's the challenge that New England has. New England's not a four-win team. I think that, you know, what what uh, what Dietrich Wise said was true. We have a bad record. We're not a bad team. I mean, they were in a lot of games. And their kicker clearly killed them. Killed them. And their quarterback killed them. And they had enough there. Now, you are what your record says you are, and that's what it is. But if they could get any kind of quarterbacking play uh, – with Ramondre Stevenson as the running back, you know, and they can add pieces. I think they'll be really good. You know, they'll be able to find enough talent to get them to respectability. But if they get the quarterback who really can make a difference and Van Pelt's a very good quarterback coach, we'll see. I'm not saying he is or he isn't, but we'll find out. Obviously, Cleveland wanted to make a change from him over. I think this, this team could rise above their win total, which I'm sure will be set relatively low.
a team that won, yeah, the four games last year, go, when those come out, have not been released yet, the win totals, but you ex, you would expect maybe a, you know, a slight tick up, but with so many unknowns, it's still going to be pretty low, uh, to your point, Michael, on that as we do our exit interviews here, uh, talking AFC East. So that's the case for the Patriots here coming out in 2024. We've already talked Dolphins with their uh, decision to release veteran Xavier Howard at corner. That's the expected move to be made once the official league season kicks into gear uh, here in a couple weeks. As far as the Jets, if we do these offseason exit interviews, obviously it starts and ends with a quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. But outside of that, Michael, and, and you think about the factors here going forward, what else do the Jets need to shore up here to continue to have the belief that they can win with a healthy Rodgers? Well, look, their offensive line's a disaster. Becton's going to be a free agent, right? You know, McGovern, their starting center's a free agent. And, you know, are they really good enough at receiver, right? You know, I mean, are they going to bring Randall Cobb back for another year? I mean, there's a misconception out there that this Jeff Jets team offensively is great skills. Look, Brees Hall's a good player. Garrett Wilson's a really good player. We don't know where they're going to be with Rodgers coming off the Achilles. Who knows? Who can predict it? But can they protect them? I mean, I think that's going to be the key. Look, this team made no changes really relative to the, what they're doing. The offensive coordinator stayed, the defense coordinator stayed. So I think that's going to be the key. Is, and if Rodgers, they're going to go, they're going, they say they're going to sign a backup quarterback because their owner, Woody Johnson, said they never had one. Well, that tells you where they're going to do with Zach Wilson. They're below the, they, they got about $8 million of cap room, which they can add more to their team. I don't think that's going to be an issue, but this is about their offensive line. They've got to repair that and they've got to be able to handle that. A big guy that they have to re sign is Bryce Huff. I mean, he was really good as a rusher coming off the edge. Now, where are they going to let him go? I don't know. I think that's going to be the key question. He'll get a lot of play in the market because very rarely do free do guys that can rush the passer effectively like Bryce Huff can get to the open market. 31st in run blocking, 31st in pass blocking last year. It was a disaster in every regard there for that Jet offensive line. And it brings up the interesting comp You, you know what's talking funny, though, East. Ben, is uh, we're yeah. still not even sure. We're not even sure if if if... if I mean, Nathaniel Hackett's had two years as an offensive coordinator, and they have been the two worst years in, in pro football, almost pro football history. Like, are we sure they're going to be able to, just because he coaches Aaron Rodgers, are they going to turn it around? And he gets the ultimate job security. As long as Aaron Rodgers is there, Hackett will be right alongside him. It's it's a really – and I get that they're, you know, they're buddy-buddy, and he's a hilarious guy in the locker room, and you know, hard knocks, everybody loved him, but – yeah, you would think at a certain point the results have to matter. And yet with Rodgers there, I mean, the guy's got infinite job security. It's unbelievable. And so does Sala. I mean, it's remarkable. The whole Jet thing, Douglas, Sala. I mean, what Douglas has won 29 games. I think he's got like a 31% winning percentage as a general manager. Sala's at 32%. I mean, n- none of it's worked. But they have jobs. But Mike Vrabel's not working. It's amazing. It is pretty crazy. If you're doing the whole comp here, right, of if you set aside the quarterbacks where between the Patriots and Jets, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum pretty clearly. But rest of the offense with so many questions, who do you power rank as a better personnel as it stands right now with two offenses who outside the quarterback and especially for the Jets were, were real negatives there last year? Well, both of them have weakness in the offensive line. You know, the Patriots need a left tackle. They need a right tackle, you know, which makes me believe that they'll re-sign Michael Elwanu. They have to somewhere. But they, the Patriots don't have a Garrett Wilson. At least they have one. I mean, the Jets receiving core is, you know, J- Jason Brownlee, Xavier Gibson. I mean, you know, uh, Alan Lassard, they're going to have to cut him. He's been a disaster. I'm sure they won't because Rodgers, who's acting as the general manager, probably doesn't think he should cut him. I mean, Rodgers, if he wanted to, like, he'd have Randall, he'd, he'd, you know, 
Greg Jennings, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson. Bring them all to retirement. Let's just bring back. <laughs> bring them the all back. 2010 Packers. <laughs> James Jones, where you at, man? Let's let's bring it all back. Everybody but Jermichael Finley, except that guy. That's basically the Rodgers point of view here uh, as a GM. Talk some Washington Commanders football right now, Michael, since we're doing our exit interviews for the NFC East teams, continuing uh, that offseason tradition we do here on the Lombardi line. So let's talk Commanders. And you know, it's always the questions of did the team reach its full potential uh, or did they fall short? I think we know the answer there out of Washington team that finished four and 13. But where I want to focus with you on this is the, the issues to try to resolve here. They have the most cap space of anybody. You have a new coach, new offensive coordinator, new ownership, new everything there for Washington. What is number one on your list as far as things to resolve heading into the offseason? Well, they also have a new structure, right? So Adam Peters is the king of all football in, in Washington. I mean, it's not about Dan Quinn. It's not about, you know, uh, Martin Mayhew anymore. It's not about uh, Marty Mahoney. This is really about it's the Adam Peters show in, in Washington. And he's going he's been given the keys to the kingdom. He's going to build the team. And, you know, and they hired Dan Quinn to be a guy to come in and have positive energy within the building. I, I think this is an organization that still you know, is going to have to go through some detox of that of the past regime, not because of Ron Rivero, certainly, but because of their former owner. And I think there's a lot of sensitivity in terms of when you walk into a new place like Dan Quinn is, you know, the level of expectations, what you ask for the players from what they were accustomed. If you go back to the enemy situation where the players felt like Eric was too tough, too demanding, you know, that says, speaks a lot about your culture. Quinn's going to have to change that because you're going to have to be demanding. You're, to rise above four wins, you're going to have to kind of put some of the pressure on. This team obviously has to fix both offensive and defensive lines. They've got two good tackles. They have no ends, and they need two offensive tackles. They sign Wiley, the Leno. You can get by. They think they can with them. Good luck. They've tried. Their quarterback has gotten killed. Uh, over the past, but there's a lot of work to do. They've got a couple good players in McLaurin. Dotson are very good, right? Samuel's a free agent. But what are they going to do with quarterback? I think that's the fundamental question is how they handle that position. And, you know, they're going to be able to do that in the draft if they like Jaden Daniels, if they like Drake May. And they've been working on it all year. So we're going to find out and we'll see what Peters does. Remember, Peters was really instrumental in drafting Trey Lance in San Francisco. Does he want that style of quarterback? You know, is that something he would be interested in? Are they going to be interested in Justin Fields, who played his best game as a pro in Washington? So there's a lot to do here, but it all starts with the line and the quarterback. I've heard a lot, too, about potential fit in a Cliff Kingsbury offense. How much do you see Washington looking at Kingsbury, his traits, and wanting to find a fit for him versus just taking the guy they like the most and having Cliff work around that guy? Well, I think it's going to come down to the guy that Peters likes the most and Cliff's going to have to work around it. I think Cliff's a really good offensive coach. I think one of the things we make a mistake of, Ben, is that we evaluate a offensive coordinator when he was a head coach. You know, Arthur Smith's not a good coach. No, Arthur Smith's a really good offensive coordinator. He may not be a great head coach, but he's a really good offensive coordinator. I think it's the same with Kingsbury. Kingsbury understands how to move the football, and I think he'll do a good job of developing the quarterback. And 
understanding the strengths. Look, you know, Patrick Mahomes just didn't walk on to Texas Tech. Like Kingsbury, he recruited him. He saw something in him, you know, and he and he and he was there. And and obviously he was ahead of the curve on a lot of people. So I think he'll do a good job. I think they're going to have to fix the offensive line and they're going to have to fix so many other things in terms of their defense. Their defense obviously was poorly coached last year and poorly executed. Washington finishes with four wins last year. And as far as rebuilding goes, they and the New York Giants are in that battle right now trying to move up in the NFC East where the Giants only win six games outside of Carolina, who is the consensus bottom power rated team at the end of the year. Michael, I had Washington team 31 and the Giants team 30. I was really down on the way both of those teams ended the season. Where do you stand now on the Giants after a really disappointing 2023 that started on opening night with a disastrous loss to Dallas on Sunday Night Football and only spiraled from there uh, as you look onto the exit interviews here on the Giants side? Well, I mean, look, the Giants, it's all about it comes down to one thing. And, you know, we've we've listened to this. I've, I've heard Eli Manning say that, Daniel Jones is going to have a great year next year. I mean, they're, they're tied to their quarterback. They're not going to draft a quarterback. They're going to have to repair their offensive line. You know, when Andrew Thomas was out, their offensive line kind of fell apart. Evan Neal has not been a very good player for them. And then defensively, they're going to have to try to figure out how can they improve. You know, with the change from Martindale, who was a very blitz-heavy coach, are they good enough at corner? They're going to have to play more zone. You know, they're going to have to try to do that. Xavier McKinney, one of their best players, is a free agent. Are they going to re-sign him? And, of course, you got the Barkley situation. One thing we do know about the Giants is they don't want to give up. They love their own players. They're fully vested in their own. But this, to me, is a team that is going to have to rely on, is Daniel Jones good enough? And that's been the fundamental question since he started playing there in 19. Never throws it up the field. Has never averaged over seven yards per attempt. And, you know, now with the extra cap room that they have, are they going to franchise Barkley? Are they going to franchise McKinney? Are they going to keep him? I think this team needs a huge influx of talent starting in the offensive line. I mean, you take Jason Pugh off the couch, not off the street, off the couch. Yeah, literally. And he ends up starting and playing a lot of games for it. you got problems. And the Evan Neal problem is not going to go away. He has not played well for them. They're going to have to – now they've changed offensive line coaches – Right. So we'll see how that all manifests itself. There is a part of this where fans say, "Okay, well, the Giants two years ago were in the postseason. Brian Dable was a coach of the year and he did that with Jones as his quarterback, even if maybe we looked a little bit deeper, Michael, and felt like there was some obvious regression there still to come with the Giants in 2023. As far as we talk ceiling and floor, is there still a ceiling, though, for the Giants, even with those struggles last year to get back to that type of playoff sort of team we saw in 2022? Were they really a playoff team, Ben? I mean, I never thought they were. You know, they kind of remember down the stretch that year, you know, where they struggled to win games down the stretch. They had the great start. I think they caught a lot of people by surprise early in the year. They were they did a good job of managing the game. I think when you look at the 2022 season, right, you know, they started out really well and, you know, they, they ended up they, they ended up they were six and two at the bye week. And then they won after the bye. And then from that, they were seven and two. And then they closed out the season nine and seven. So, and they got a good win against a bad Minnesota team. And then they got destroyed by Philadelphia. And they never played Philly close in either game. So, like to me, they were, they took advantage of a schedule. They won games early. And then the second half of that season, and since the second half of that season, you know, they have not been very good. Again, it's going to come down to, can, I mean, that's the year. So Daniel Jones takes him to the playoffs that year, Ben, and he averages 6.8 yards per attempt. 
You know, I mean, he throws 15 touchdown passes the whole year. So I think to me, there's a lot of work still to do in New York. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And you also got the benefit that you're facing a pretty fraudulent Minnesota team who had the best ever record in one score games in the first round of the postseason. It was sort of the fraud bowl there as we I remember referring it to it that way. And, and the Giants won uh, that game as a result. What well, throw one more at you here as part of our NFC East exit interviews, because there's been a lot of storylines about what's actually going on behind the scenes in Philadelphia and all sorts of turmoil there. What do you make of, of those reports and where Philly's at now heading into the offseason? You know, I think there's some serious concerns in Philly in the sense of what what they said. There's a Derek Gunn report and then there's the uh, Craig Carton report, which are two different reports. Carton was talking about something within their locker room. Gunn was talking about the relationship between the quarterback and the distance that he had after the big contract and the fact that there was a disconnect on the team in terms of when they lost Big Dom on the sidelines because they couldn't manage the head coach who was out of control, which has happened in New York, too. So we have two NFC East coaches that are out of control on game day. Not a good sign. I mean, they have slow bet on defense, and this defense has been not very good. This is going to be a challenge for Vic Fangio. Their corner situation isn't good. Their speed at linebacker isn't good. And they're old in the defensive front. And the two players they got to count on, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, didn't play well in the second half of the season. Davis was out of shape. And Carter looked like he was going to be a lock for rookie of the year, and he didn't get it. So there's a lot of work to do. When you're 31st on third down and 30th in the red zone, there's a lot of work to do personnel-wise on defense. Finished your 30th against the run, 28th against the pass on EPA for play basis. Not pretty. Uh, Philadelphia.